Unlike its competition, Hawksoft definitely treats all of its users as people, as individuals. We're not just a number. Hawksoft listens to us. Hawksoft takes our suggestions and makes them a reality for us. Hawksoft is constantly looking to update its system and make it work better for us. My name is Melena Farrell from Cedar Risk Management, and this is why I chose Hawksoft. Hey guys, it's Bradley. I want to tell you about Ascend. Ascend is not just another premium finance company. Ascend will solve all of your agency bill problems through automation of invoicing, premium financing, carrier payables, all the way to the end of the workflow. There's a lot of hidden costs with how you're doing business today. AMSs, CRMs can spend more than half the day chasing down payments, following up on non-pays, getting signatures for financing docs. This leads to an overworked, overwhelmed, unhappy team. And guys, you want your team to be happy. Industry's hard enough as it is. We really need them to be happy. As your agency grows, this issue gets worse and worse, and we typically solve the problem with a little bit of software, but a ton of manpower still involved. With Ascend, you can use a software-first solution and just need a little bit of manpower, allowing you to grow without significant increase in overhead. Ascend automates all of these repetitive payment processes so your team can get back to helping your clients. With Ascend, we've seen non-payment cancellations in our agency go down up to 95%. Teams save more than 20 hours per month when they work with Ascend and an average of a 75% decrease in payment-related customer questions. Guys, if people aren't calling your office with questions, you have more time to sell and grow your agency. Visit useascend.com backslash insurance, guys. Guys, Ascend makes agency bill as easy as direct bill, but you keep all of the benefits of agency bill the best of both worlds. Thanks, guys. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Hawksoft. God, I love Hawksoft. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner, and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome. He is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama. Parade first team All American, rivals five star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you? Best I've ever been. Big day today, Bradley Flowers. Might be the most listened to podcast. In the history of podcast in the insurance industry today, I don't know about that. I have so many questions and you have so many answers. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk to Bradley Flowers today. This is going to be a Bradley and Scott secret time podcast. Trust tree. Trust tree. We need special music. Now, trust tree. For those of you that know me, I am an open book to the point of if you email or text me and ask me to send you my tax returns, I will be happy to do that. No problem. No problem. Don't care. I'll tell you anything you want to know about Scott Howell, mistakes I've made, you things I've done. Podcast listeners come to your house. Had people come to my house. I've I've done it all. I've had, uh, well, we were at lunch today. Podcast listener out of North Carolina. Let me see his name. Hold on. I don't want to, I don't, I won't tell lies. They can podcast say listener comes want to come see this, you. This was at lunch. This was at lunch 30 minutes ago. 
Hi, Scott. On the podcast you did the other day, you mentioned that you were all you were offering parametric insurance for $88 a year to your homeowners customers. Can you tell me the carrier of this product? I'm in North Carolina. Thanks. Michael Davis, former nationwide agent. So I get about four or five of those a week about certain things. Other night, somebody texted or called or something. I can't think they No, they Facebook DM me and they wanted to know if I'd give them a copy of my vendor non-disclosure agreement next day. In their email mailbox, they had a copy of our vendor non-disclosure agreement. So that's Scott. So you make your vendor sign a non-disclosure? I do. I love that so much. So Bradley, on the other hand, and by the way, nothing wrong with this at all, is constantly fighting the private Bradley versus the public Bradley, or excuse me, the podcast Bradley. And I understand that. I get that. For a lot of different reasons, I get that. It is a tight wire to have to walk between what you want to disclose publicly versus podcast or or privately, what you want to kind of hold back. And, and I understand that. I think there's more insurance agents that are like that than there are the ones like Scott who will drink a bottle of Eagle Rare live on air. But, and I'm not saying that's a good way to be. In fact, pro- probably isn't. But um, you know what's going to happen? Eagle Rare is going to sponsor this podcast. Two, two episodes ago, for you guys listening, Scott opened an Eagle Rare that I gave him, which is his favorite whiskey. You know you're going to get Eagle Thank Rare in the too. mail, right? I hope so. I'd love to. Because about, I was actually thinking, I have a nice bourbon collection. Right. About almost a third. You keep bringing it up. I'm going to keep drinking. <laughs> almost a third of the bourbon I have at my house was sent to me by podcast listeners. Mm. The uh, mm-hmm. well, There was a day about six months ago where Laurel was like, Hey, no more bourbon. Yeah. Not because of any problem, but because right. we literally didn't have room for it in our cabinets. Right. And that day I get to my office, I open up a package from a podcast list and there's a bottle of Blanton's damn. And I came through the door and she gave me a look and I said, podcast listener, send it to me. I swear I didn't buy new bourbon today. Anyway, what, you tell me, um, what's your favorite bourbon is. And I can't remember what it is. It's a tie between Weller 107 yep. or uh, E.H. Taylor single barrel, but the, the single barrels in general are so uh, inconsistent because you never know what you're going to get. So it's yeah. hard to say a single barrel is your favorite, but yeah, those are my two favorite. I do have a bottle over Christmas. I scored a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle uh, Lot B. Congratulations. Um, on a trade that worked out very well in my favors. I have not opened that yet. Hey, do you know what one of my employees gave me for Christmas? What's that? EHT oh, Taylor Single Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, it's a very, good bottle. Very, very, bottle. very nice of them to do that. So, my first one was gifted to me by Carrie Wallace. Wow. Yep. All she got me was a damn cutting board for Christmas. I guess I, I'm I'm not <laughs> in the damn. I got the cut. That was two years ago. I did, <laughs> I did get the cut. Two years finish. away from getting. I'm teasing Carrie. I love you. Um. So, Bradley, Bradley, we've got the most important podcast that's ever come out ever in the history of the world for the insurance industry. And I want to publicly kind of apologize to you because I know I've been giving you a lot of hell about buying an agency and how this was going to be a train wreck. But, you know, I do it in, I I hope that you knew I was just teasing with you. I'm very, very proud of you. Very proud of what you've accomplished. You are, um, you are now in, in one fell swoop. You have doubled the size of your agency. And I was not kidding about this and doubled the size of your problems. 
hundred percent. Probably triple. Probably triple. So what's happened, ladies and gentlemen, and the reason this is so important is my podcast co-host has just gone through from A to Z, from day one to the closing date, buying an insurance agency and not just like a, you know, uh, a million dollar, you know, premium agency. I mean, right. this was a, this was a healthy sized insurance Same agency. Same size as us. Same size as Bradley's. More employees than us. Correct. Talk to us a little bit and tell our podcast listeners, because I know they just turned up the dial. I want to know from start to finish, tell me about the process, how it started, you yep. know, like first steps, baby steps on the elevator, baby. To, and then you guys get a little bit more serious. You probably talked four, five, ten times, however. Yep. He he makes the decision, yes, this is what I want to do. You, I believe, and I don't want to step on your toes, got Kerry Wallace involved at some point. From the get. From the get, from the jump. And I believe you guys closed somewhere around January the 1st, somewhere around that December, time frame. December 29th, last, December, last business day of the year. Last business day of the year. And then after you get through with all of that, we want to talk about, you know, would you do it again? Yeah. Uh, what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. I'll tell the story and then you can ask questions. 100%. So the number, so we are, it's always been our goal to acquire. If y'all, you guys listen to the podcast when I started the agency, you know, our plan was personal lines for a year. Bradley was going to back out of production, learn commercial. Mm-hmm. Luckily, David Carruthers started killing commercial around that time. Right. Bradley steps back in, steps back out again. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the goal was to start acquiring. Right. The reason why is I'm a firm believer of, following the footsteps of people who are more successful than you that have done it before. And if you look at all of the largest agencies in the country, all of them got big by acquired by by acquisition. And by the way, guys, just don't mean to interrupt. Scott thinks this is an absolute horrible idea because week four of me trying to buy an agency from a boomer, I would be skinned off in his front yard (laughs) screaming at the top of my lungs for him to get his ass out in that front yard to get his ass beat. But go ahead, Bradley. You'd be like Happy Gilmore fighting oh, Bob Barker. A lot worse than that. A yeah. lot worse than that. Uh, except Bob Barker won that fight. I, I believe in growing through organic growth and not going to jail for murder, murdering, literally pleading guilty to murdering a boomer yeah. that owns his own insurance agency. But go ahead. So, so we've been trying to aggressively acquire – for the last two and a half years. Correct. And and really, uh, I think there were a lot of lessons learned. 100%. You know, Mike Stromso always talks about wins and lessons. Yeah. And I know for a fact, because of conversations you and I've had over the last two years, there were like two or three times when you got like. Really close. Like mile 20 of a marathon. And, yeah. then, and then for whatever reason, it had to well, shut down. It, think about like buying real estate as an investment. Uh-huh. Anybody that does real estate investing will tell you the best way to get started is just start looking at deals. 100%. So I probably over the last two and a half years, I've probably looked at close somewhere between 50 and 70 agencies. Mm-hmm. That That is getting to the point to where I have P&L sitting on my desk. The number one, and I had one, so I had, so I, I acquired an agency when I was captive. I That was small. I acquired a small agency right when we opened portals about half a million in premium. Sure. You know, no employees were involved with those other two. The big X factor in this one is there's employees involved, which completely changes 
how you do things and that sort of thing. And and I, I've been aggressively wanting to do one that was of this size or close to it. That way I could get my processes down and we say, Hey, we know what's going to happen. Step sure. one, step two, step three, and then really start going after some. Sure. So, and, and we look, we look for arbitrage opportunities. I'm going to look for stuff that you are doing wrong or not the way I would do it. And then we're going to improve on it, whether that's, you know, monoline business in the agency, whether it's systems and processes, whether it's being overstaffed, what's the angle, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll give you an example. I looked at one agency uh, that was, that was, that was here, not too far from what I bought last year and the agency was not profitable. And I got their P&Ls and I went through their, P my favorite thing to do is to get a P&L of an agency and go through and redline all the expenses we don't need. Right. And that's how you, and a lot of times what I want to happen is I want that stuff that I redline out to basically be my, that's what I make, you know? And but do so, you find that when you start doing the redlining and that to, to other agencies you're looking at, do, are you seeing a lot of the same red lines? A lot to, of the to same. To some degree. Yeah. Okay. To some degree. Okay. And by the way, if somebody went through my agency, they'd find stuff. Like sure. every agency has stuff they're spending money on. They have to. 100%. But like this one, for example, if I eliminated every expense associated with the office, having a location, sure. they went from not profitable to super profitable. Wow. So you're always looking for opportunities like, that. you know, so if I'm a small agency and I'm struggling and I have an office, I'm getting rid of the office. Like I've often and, said, the only reason I have an office here at Portal is because I want to, not because right. I have to. And, and by the way, guys, and I'm sure he's going to get to this, the agency that he just purchased on December the 30th is 45 minutes from here, hour, hour, hour? five minutes. Okay. But it's still, it's it's not like you bought an agency in Utah. It's, right, right, it's, right. And it's, there's some, doable. There's some states I would go to, you know, but yeah. so the number one question I've got is, is how did you find it? Because a lot of agents who are still wanting to make things happen now want to acquire. Right. And that's the number one question I've got is how how did you find it? And, you know, for a lot of the other ones I looked at, I used some resources like uh, Cake, right. uh, haveyourcake.com, Agency Equity is good. There's a Southwestern Consulting Group, I think is the name of it, that has like a running list. They're business brokers. But this particular one was was a person I knew. And what I tell everybody, if you want to acquire, get involved with the big eyes and the associations, make friends and then tell those people, you don't have to say, Hey, Scott, I want to buy your agency, right. but they just have to know, you know, and my whole pitch to them is, Hey, look, you know, if you want to sell your agency, make maximum dollar and have it stripped apart, like a bunch of vultures, go sell to one of these big firms. Mm -hmm. If you want to sell it to someone who's an individual and it's still going to have a soul after you leave, you sell to me, right. but you might not sell for as much but you're going to feel a little bit better about it. So anyway, so uh, this was a guy that I knew uh, that I've been, I would say, business friends with for a while. We sure. don't really hang out outside of work, but we've been friendly at certain associations and stuff. He called me in like 2017 trying to recruit me to come to work for him. At that time, I you know, had no interest, but we stayed friends. And I was at a carrier event, carrier, it was a Orion 180 event, not this past year, but the year before. Right. We were sitting around the campfire smoking a cigar, me and him and another guy. And uh, he mentioned that somebody offered him a sum of money for his agency and he turned it down. And And I don't remember exactly what was said, but I looked at him and basically said, I'll do that deal. If you ever want to, you want to sell, I'll do that deal. Yeah. So that sort of planted that, that bug in his sure. ear. And, planted to see. Yeah. And so he reached out to me in, uh, in the way he set the agency up. And by the way, I have, Tons of respect for this guy. Like he's, 
he was he actually has an amazing story. We should probably have him on the podcast. He was a bartender that just decided to open an insurance agency and only knew what he what he knew. And in in fact, one of his underwriters' moms works at Willis, and she like wrote him on a notepad how to renew a policy. Wow. Here's that's how he got started. And I think he still has that note. And so he he just sort of figured it out as he went, but the way he operated was similar to how a lot of one-man shops operate is mm. the agency owner is the funnel for everything mm. and the bottle, which eventually becomes a bottleneck. Right. And so it was very top down. And the result of that is he had to overstaff and, and do it. You know, there was no, there was no automation, very little automation. The whole agency was run off of an Excel spreadsheet and insured mine. Mm. So he got to the point, I think where he had some, op- he, he had some operational band-aids he had to rip off or he needed to sell the agency. Right. And so he reached out to me and was like, Hey, I've you know had enough of this. I'm stressed out, had some familial health issues. So we made him an offer that was, I got with Carrie. We put together a real, you know, well-educated offer uh, that was low for him. So he countered, I countered back at the whole thing. I mean, it, that took like a month, but it was basically three emails. And so I think when it was all said and done, I think I paid a half a multiple more than I wanted to. Right. And I think he paid, he got a half a multiple less. And, you know, there's a saying that, you know, the perfect negotiation, both parties are a little bit. Both parties think they lost. A little bit disappointed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we, that was in September, October. We signed with a a closed date of, of 1-1 or 12-31, which ended up being 12-29, the last business day of the year. Went to Westfield Bank. Mike Wagar at Westfield Bank was absolutely phenomenal. Like those guys, this is, I mean, we're not paid to support them or endorse them or anything, but those guys made this process so easy. And I'm not a big debt guy. Like I have a mortgage on my home and a business credit Mm -hmm. card I pay off every month. That's it. You know, they made it so easy. Didn't have to personally guarantee the loan. Didn't have to put up any collateral or anything. I mean, it, it, it went very smooth. I mean, I maybe had two calls with them in three months. And, and so uh, that went super smooth. The, you know, we initially, my process was. Let me stop you real yeah. quick. I'm going to go back to you making that offer. And you said y'all were going back and forth negotiating mm-hmm. the terms of the agreement. Now, before that offer was made, because you guys seem to be doing like a lot of work up till the day of the closing. And I, my, the whole time I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I've always thought that like all the heavy lifting gets done before you make the offer because, you know, you want to get all your carrier reports and make sure that what you're offering is, but I keep hearing all these, like I saw Kenneth out in the parking lot. He was getting ready to go over there. Kenneth is Bradley's operations manager. He's getting ready to go down to that office today and he was like dude you have no idea what we've been through the past and i'm thinking shouldn't all the heavy lifting been done before the offer was so made? that's a really good question there's going to be heavy lifting on each side each side you know there's there's yeah. three sides there's pre-offer post-offer post-close yeah and so, maybe this was more the the operation stuff that was having to get yeah. handled after the fact so i had some deals fall through the last two years um i had one that actually fell through the day before closing but I had some deals fall through. Some of them fell through because what I was trying to do is to do all of my due diligence before I made the offer. Mm. That way I made the perfect offer sure. and then making the offer. Right. Okay? Which offer, is what, what I've always been taught. Yeah. This by, is not legal advice, but a, an LOI on an agency, 
is really non-binding. You can offer whatever you want to and pretty much back out. But do you have to, like a house, give a... I learned that when that one fell through. Oh, okay. So it's not like a... There's what do no you call earnest that? Money. Earnest, no. earnest money. So, like, here's $5,000 if it falls through. If you look at what the big firms do, at least my perception of the big firms, yeah. they get to LOI as fast as possible because that locks the seller up. Okay. So I swapped my strategy from, and I'm giving you guys some inside baseball free game here. Yeah. I swapped my strategy from doing a ton of due diligence on the front end to make the perfect offer to getting to making the offer as fast as possible. And that cost me a few deals not doing that because we'd put together the perfect offer, send it to either the broker or the seller, and they'd be like, oh, sorry, we already have an offer on this. Right. And so what we I started doing is I would get as much of the financials as I could and much of a narrative on the agency. And then I'd go meet with Carrie Wallace and we would basically put together a rough valuation and she gives me a range of you can pay from this to this. So in that that initial email to them, I'm explaining why I have to pay what I have to pay. Right. And so, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to stay on. He wanted to walk away. So I'm like, Hey, here's the walk away price. And, um, so we, we had, he wanted to stay on how much more would you have paid? Oh, uh, it would depend on performance. Okay. It would have I don't really know right offhand, but like I've got one. It would have been like an earn out. Yeah. You asked me you, yeah, exactly. You asked me at lunch, would I do another one? And I was, I've got another one right now. I'm looking at it. I'm trying to close by June. And this particular one, the agency owner wants to stay on. So we're building an incentive for if we can add X amount of revenue and keep the EBITDA at whatever mm. percent they're at, I'll pay you an extra you know, $500,000 or whatever. Right. So anyway, initially take you through kind of what I did. So we get the offer. I immediately start going to carriers. And because remember, this is run off spreadsheets. So I have to get carrier reports, but you're going to have to do that anyway. Mm. I go to each carrier and basically say, hey, under contract by this agency would appreciate just, you know, discretion. Employees don't know yet. Can you send me the, were they all good with that? Yeah. Every one of them. Yeah. You, most, did you have to give them a, the LOI, the letter of intent? No, they just had to get the okay from him. Got you. To, give you him know, an email. Hey, is yeah. it okay if we give this to Bradley? Yeah. So they all, um, they would, they send me the carrier reports and I basically built a spreadsheet of each carrier, what he said they had, what they actually had. In most cases, what they actually had was more than what he said they had, which yeah. was a plus. Right. Are there any, in my, my other question, especially now in the life and times that we live in mm -hmm. is, hey, because I, I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of carriers now that are struggling with loss ratio and not wanting to grow mm -hmm. are using acquisition as an excuse to get off the book. Wow. So I had that conversation too. Hey, is there anything that's going to happen? Right. Did uh, you pick up any good carriers out of this or was it kind of a match for match? Um, It was mostly a match for match. Yeah. You know, for example, they're like top five or our top five. Right. Almost exactly. Yeah. I did pick up a few that I didn't have that aren't like game changers, but will help. Sure. Um, I picked up one that I thought for sure we would not get because the, the person that runs this company is not a fan of me. Old story. But they ended up a point, actually got the login credentials while we were recording wow. earlier. And um, so, and then of the conversation of, hey, are you going to get off of this book? Right. Luckily, all their loss ratios were good. So that, you know, there, there's really no reason for most of the carriers to get off. There was one carrier that told me, and they put me in a tough spot. They told me, yeah, we're we're non-renewing this book next year, but he doesn't know it yet. And you can't tell him we told you. Wow. And, so what do and, you do about that? Um, I talked them into not non-renewing it. Okay. So they basically agreed that since I was taking over the book and they really like me, that in our the way we do business, that they were cool with, with that. Leaving it for one year um, and then kind of seeing... 
and I dangled the carrot of, Hey, I'll roll some more stuff with you. Right. So we, so this agency has a lot of like onesie twosie, what I call onesie twosie carriers. Mm -hmm. So they'll have guard and have one policy with guard. Well, let's, let's, let's book roll that somewhere else. Let's consolidate, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, that, that right there took probably three weeks to a month of me doing that basically every day amongst doing my normal day-to-day job. And then um, we went into uh, reaching out to some of the vendors, looking at the vendors they have. Do we want to keep, do we want to, do we want to, you know, port the phone number? Do we want to keep it the same? You know, I'm all guessing that. you got rid of a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. We eliminated the only carrot two, the only two vendors we have not, three vendors we have not eliminated. We have not eliminated insurance agent app. They use insurance agent app as opposed mm-hmm. to glove box. The reason is, is because I don't want to do anything that disrupts the client relationship. Right. So that is a client facing tech. Right. And I don't want a week after we close them to be like, Hey, this app isn't working anymore. So we kept that. Sure. Um, you know, Matt's a, Matt's a great guy. Super easy to work with on that. Yep. Uh, we'll Agreed. probably, we probably eventually consolidate the two over to either glove box insurance agent app, more than likely glove box. As you guys know, huge fan of glove box. We kept, one is slipping my mind. We kept insured mine for the time being until um, we get all the data moved over. And then we kept. What's insured mind? I don't even know what that is. It's an agency Zoom competitor. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Rauschen was great to work with over yeah. there. And then there was one more little small vendor that we kept. Basically, everything else was eliminated because right. we had a corresponding vendor that took that spot. Sure. And from there, we. It got time to basically. Did he have any contracts that couldn't be gotten out of because you're buying? You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's an asset purchase, not an entity purchase. Okay, not tell these guys what not the difference not is. legal advice. And this is my redneck interpretation of an asset purchase versus an entity purchase. An asset purchase is I'm buying the book of business and none of the liabilities. Got you. Meaning all the good, none of the bad. The caveat to that is, is if you buy an asset purchase. And there are some carriers that you don't have, those carriers don't have to appoint you. So that's the, you know. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. If this has been a entity purchase, entity purchase, if you're buying the entity, that basically means from a legal and contractual standpoint, everything stays the way that it is, but you also you also take on the liability of that. Yeah. Okay. So. But then you're saying it would have been mandatory that those carriers I wouldn't stayed say with mandatory you? but a greater chance because they're still appointed with that entity that's just a new owner correct you know what I'm saying and correct. a lot of times I don't even know that they have to know would you ever do an entity purchase it depends on the circumstances but yeah I mean far majority of the time the asset purchase is the way to go because it absolves you of any liability right right so that was that was the choice we made there well hello there Guys, excuse me for interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast, but I'm here today to get you out of aggregator and cluster jail. This may be the most important message I've ever delivered on the Insurance Guys podcast. Guys, are you a member of a cluster or an aggregator? Does your contract have exit fees, termination payments, buyback provisions? It's time to get your freedom back. And do what we did here at iProtect Insurance, join the AC, the future of aggregators in our industry. Best decision we've ever made, guys. Best decision we've ever made. No entry fees, small $200 a month membership fee, 
over 50 plus carriers for direct appointments. And by the way, new ones coming on board each and every month. You keep 100% of your commissions, profit sharing every year. Guys, we have made in the last two years, each year, our agency has made over $100,000 in profit sharing. Here's the best part, guys. And this is the part I'm the most passionate about. No termination or exit fees. You give the AC 60 days notice and you're free. You go get direct appointments wherever you want. There's no buyback provisions, no exit clauses. Guys, if you're a member of another aggregator and you have termination fees, buyback provisions, exit clauses, every single policy you write, you're digging that hole just a little bit deeper. And one day you're not going to be able to get out of it. It's going to be too much. You're going to be taking out a second mortgage on your home to try to get out of a cluster group. Unbelievable. Guys, go to acfree.org. That's acfree.org and register. Find out why over 650 agencies and $3 billion in premium have chosen the AC. And guys, here's the best part. But wait, there's more. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast when you talk to these guys and you get six months. That's six months of no membership fee just by mentioning the Insurance Guys podcast. Go today, www.acfree.org, and let me help you get your freedom back. Have a great day. One thing I did do that I think was a little bit out of the box that I would encourage you guys to do if you're doing an asset purchase is I included the bank account in the purchase agreement. So I bought his bank account. Wow. Two reasons that are basically both the same. One, it prevents me from having to go to each carrier and updating the checking account. I'm just going to get the commissions as if he got them. Mm -hmm. And then two, trying to do that when you have a lot of onesie twosies carriers, there's going to be some commissions that's missed. Right. You know what I mean? Right. When you change bank accounts within your agency, you have some commissions that are, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it was yeah. just more to hedge. Luckily he worked with a really small bank, local yeah. bank that right. was able to actually transfer the ownership of the bank account. Good luck getting Wells Fargo to do that. <laughs> but this local bank, there was, I think he was their first customer actually. Wow where they were able to do that. So I took over that bank account and the plan is to phase that out, but it at least bides me some time because sure. if not all these last two weeks, that's what I would be doing is yeah. swapping over. Hey, reaching out to each carrier, which is going to be a nightmare as you imagine. So then it came down to like telling the employees and I've always been a proponent of not telling the employees until the day before or really close to the sale date. Anytime an agency owner has reached out to me for that advice not knowing any context, that's what I always say to do. It just prevents any bad apples. You know, my concern was, is, you know, somebody going rogue and, you know, and he didn't have any non-competes, non-disclosures, non-piracy, none of that kind of stuff set up. So I'm like, man, if we tell everybody two months ahead of time and then somebody goes rogue, somebody's like, oh yeah, great, fine, goes rogue for two months, steals right. all the data and then says, all right, I'm going to work for another agency. So that's a concern. But then as things rocked on, more carrier reps found out. He had former employees reaching out to him saying, hey, I heard you sold. Congratulations. 
it's a matter of time before they find out. Sure. And so some probably already had. So I don't think they had. I think we got luck. I think they were about a day or two away from finding out. So it kind of forced our hand. Uh, and by the way, I talked to very, very smart people who are much smarter than me that told me that's what you do. You tell them the day before or after it happens. Even. Right. But it's a little complicated because he's not staying on. Right. That's an easier convert. You know, if I'm by yeah. a brand's company, but he's staying on, right. we really don't have to tell anybody until mm-hmm. you get ready. You know, so we decided that. So there, there was there was some issues. I'm a proponent of you keep all the employees, you give them raises so they have a good taste in the mouth. But I think remember me saying there was a lot of operational band aids, and he had some some folks that he was overstaffed, and he knew that. And in fact, when we were going through due diligence, and I was getting him to send me, you know, P and Ls and payroll stuff and all that, he he actually sent me an email, and he was like, "Damn." putting all this on paper has made me realize what all I was doing wrong Yeah, or, you know, that I was spending money in places I don't need to. And, and by the way, like I have stuff like that, like that's not a knock to him or anything. Like I said, he built a freaking great agency, Mm. you know, from scratch with no help in terms of like mentors or anything like that and figured it out as he went. And, um, but there was, there was two, there were two people for sure that I was not going to keep. Yeah. He had a data entry person and a billing person. Mm-hmm. We have both of those. Right. You know, I'm not going to pay somebody $40,000 to do data entry. Uh, we have both of those covered. We have billing covered. So it was complex because we had to tell everybody, but we also had to tell these two people that they don't have a job January 1st. Right. So it was like, I did a lot of thinking, a lot of soul searching. And then you also have the non-compete issues. So what we basically decided, what we settled on is I had my attorney Right. I'm not a big believer in non-competes, as you know. I'm mm. a big believer in non-solicit, non-piracy. That's what really protects your agent. Mm. You know, somebody can violate a non-compete and not have any ill intent whatsoever. But for you to violate a non-solicit, non-piracy, you've got ill intent. You know what I mean? Right. So we got my attorney to write up a non-solicit, non-piracy for his agency with language in it that basically said, hey, this still carries on if he were to sell the asset. Sure. So essentially what we did is he met with them. This was about, this was the week before Thanksgiving. He met with them, which was the most stressful day of my life. Uh, Cause I didn't know what I was walking into. You know what I mean? So he, this is where it gets really interesting. I wish we'd have been podcasting along the way. And by the way, we're only two weeks into this guys. So like, we're going to have to do another one on this right. as I get further down the road. So he met with them that morning, you know, told them a real heartfelt story and, you know, they all knew that he was stressed out and, mm-hmm. and not in the great headspace and that sort of thing. And there was some dysfunction, general dysfunction, and basically told them that he sold. He Luckily, that independent agent magazine had just came out with me on the cover. So he showed him that. I really appreciate him doing that, and like pumping me up. You know, and he and I met a week before to talk about this. So, so I sold the agency to my friend Bradley. He's going to be here later today to meet you guys, basically. So... The initial plan was for me, Natasha, and Kenneth to go, which would have been way better, but I didn't want to overwhelm them Mm. and have these three people that come in, you know? And so kind of a funny story, this agency is located at the beach and the agency owner wears flip-flops every day. So when I came in, I sat down with everybody and I had stopped by their agency. After we signed to buy it, I would like pop in the agency. Hey, I'm Reggie's friend. Sorry, we need to edit. We need to edit that name out. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm his friend. I just yeah. want to chat with you guys. You know, yeah. uh, he had a benefit 
um, fundraiser thing that he did. I went by there, donated some money. Um, but so they, some of them knew me or knew of me. Uh, one of them, maybe two, had actually attended a keynote that I gave at a state association a while back. Yeah. So I came in and I met with the whole team all at once. Uh, like I said, which was the most stressful moment of my life. Because, How'd it go? But it went great. It yeah. couldn't probably couldn't have gone better. Yeah. Uh, but you just don't know what you're walking into. Like right. these people did not know they were working for you three hours ago. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're their new boss, and it's not by their choice. And so. But what I did is I was like, hey, guys, I just want you all to know that, you know, 90 percent of the stuff's not going to change. The 10 percent that that is is going to is going to be good. But just to prove to you, and I pulled some flip flops out of my backpack. It's like I've got because he wears flip flops every day, you know, so it's kind of just make them laugh. But I met with everybody, answer questions that went very well. And then I, I sat down to meet with each employee individually. Uh-huh. Um, at this time, there were seven. So he had nine total. There were seven. And so, um, so the other two had already been let go. And then it's stressful for me. Cause I'm like, are those other two going to be there? I think he gave them the day off. Are those other two going to be there? Whatever. So, but it was just like the deal did not work. Like the deal did not work with nine people. Right. You know? And so, you know, unfortunately, like I explained to them, you know, unfortunately there's some difficult decisions that he needed to make that unfortunately didn't get made until the sale happened, you know? Yeah. Which I think is the case with a lot of agencies. Yeah. And so I met with them and then I met with them individually, which was absolutely exhausting. Imagine doing seven interviews. That's what it felt like, seven job interviews. But it was just basically, you know, me talking with each person. Imagine um, doing seven podcasts in one day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Similar, but that was that was more stressful. <clears throat> but that went, you know, extraordinarily well. Right. And the mistake that I made. I made two mistakes around staffing. The first mistake that I made was I wish I would have done that sooner. I've completely changed my stance on telling employees. I think you should do it. I think you should do that exact thing. Yeah. But I think you should do it sooner. Like um, when? Right after you sign the LOI? I think uh, it, there's a, for me at least, there's a brief period of time between LOI and getting all the, all the, the data on the agency uh-huh. that you're still not a hundred percent sure if you're going to buy it yet. So I think around the I think time that, yeah. About the point, you know, for sure that this is going to happen. I right. think you, you, you then tell them um, the other thing I wish I would have done. So I met with them the week of Thanksgiving. We didn't present and we gave them all a raise. We didn't present to them their new contracts until about three weeks before we closed. Yeah. And there was lots of questions and lots of back and forth around job duties and roles and that sort of thing. And by the way, that's not their fault. Like that, I completely understand their position, but that took way longer than I naively expected. I was thinking, okay, great. Here you go. Here's my signature, you know, but there was, there was just a lot of questions and a lot of, you know, they do things their own way. They operate, I think differently than a lot of agencies do um, because it was, you know, bootstrapped, you know, that, that sort of thing. So I wish I would have started that a lot sooner and things would have been a lot easier. But I mean, just to give you an example, the last employee that decided to come over, we had two that opted out of coming over, which was fine. Two beyond the two that were uh-huh. definitely not. Okay. Uh-huh. Which was fine. So the five that we did kept, keep, we gave, we gave a raise to, and just to give you an example, the last employee signed their employment agreement the day we closed. Wow. So that's how long it took. Yeah. Um, I wish I would have just, going ahead and nip that in the butt and just handled that initially. So 
and I don't know the answer to this, but you know, sometimes when you go to buy an agency because of the and I, I truly don't know the answer to this, but you know, decisions that were made way before you ever got in the picture to buy an agent by the agency. Sometimes agency owners will have an agreement with certain agents to have ownership in their book or they've yep. got a percent. Was yep. that the case at all? Or, yep. and how do you handle that? Do you, that was a hundred percent, the hundred percent came up. So each one of them had some sort of ghost equity in their book. Mm. Um, so the way that we handled that, the bank does in, not, in writing, they had that. Yeah. The okay. bank does not care about that as long as he is able to deliver me a clean title at closing. Okay. The so what does that mean? I don't that, understand. No, he buys all them out. So he had to buy them. So out of the out of the funds that I paid him, he he they each got a buyout of their book. Most of them were pretty small because not yeah. most of these folks hadn't been there long and didn't have huge books, but he he was able to buy them out. Okay. A couple of pitfalls that we ran into and something you guys need to be thinking about. When you buy an agency, you are buying renewals. That's what you're buying. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, he's paying these people a large renewal percentage. Mm -hmm. I did not take that into account. In were they all offer. W-2 employees or? 1099. They were all um, 1099. Okay. So I did not take that to, into account when I made my offer. And you see what I mean? Like I'm making this yeah. offer assuming I'm getting 100% of the renewals, but 40%, 60% supposed to go to Janice. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that posed an issue. That was the biggest issue when I'm making these offers to people because it's like, wait a minute, I'm not getting my renewals anymore. Yeah, but that's what I bought. Yeah, but most and agents they, and they, pay their agents renewals. Right. So how do you? Well, they're getting a buyout, though. You see what I mean? So he's buying their book back from them. So they start with me with a clean slate. I'm saying, but even let's say you don't have ownership in your book as a as an associate agent. A lot, most agencies have it set up, even if, you know, if they're W-2, yeah. maybe it's the standard 40% new business, 30% renewal, but you're still not, as the agency owner, going to get 100% of the renewal. That's what I'm saying. You have to take that into account when you make your offer. Oh, yeah. So that was one big mistake that I made, and that oh. I think that caused a couple of those people not to I got you. come on. Yeah. So that was one thing that came. That was just me being the first one that I've done. You know, I realized two weeks before, like, oh, crap, like. If I'm giving 60% of my revenue out to producers, right. you know, so we had to work that out. And then the big, you know, this thing went so smooth, so smooth. And the big thing that came up. Until the employee thing, or yeah. as you put it, the operational Band-Aid stuff yeah. started. And then that's when it slowed down. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So we, there was, there was one employee that had the biggest book of all of them. Still wasn't a lot. It was less than 10% of the agency. And we decided that there was a chance either a we would not keep this person or they would not come on board right. not willingly come on board one right. or two and i was getting the vibe that they were going to sign on not never acted happy about the transaction right. from the get go body now, language I've tonality learned, i've since learned there were some things that that they were not happy about prior to yeah and this was just like the straw that broke the camel's back. It yeah. wasn't necessarily personal towards me. And I don't take it personal. It's business. Yeah, like gas on a fire. Yeah. And so I was never getting the vibe that this person wanted to come on board. And my assumptions were that they would come on board for like two months and leave. And I was like, hey, I'm not going to do all this extra work. We might as well just go ahead and say, hey, let's part ways. Yeah. So I proposed to the seller about two weeks 
two, two and a half weeks before we closed, hey, how would you feel? This book is representative of a certain dollar amount relative to the purchase price. How would you feel about, and th this thing went so smooth. These deals always get messy. The best ones, I mean, we were talking to Alan and Drew Kinney on a previous podcast. Right. They were indicated that it got messy with their dad. It always, <laughs> you know, and we, you and I know other people that have done deals with family and it all, you know, there's always mess. And so it had gone so smooth. I was just kind of like, something's going to happen. Here we go. And so I was like, hey, how would you feel about me withholding this dollar amount, which mm -hmm. was a lot of money, mm -hmm. but relative to the purchase price was not a lot mm -hmm. uh, for six months. If this percentage of the book stays on, we will, I'll right. pay it to you. Right. And initially I was told that, that he was okay with that. You know, I found out about a day or so before closing, he was not okay with that. Mm -hmm. And so he and I went round and round for about a day and a half while I was on vacation in Tennessee. And I don't fault him for questioning it. I just wish it would have happened earlier. Right. I would have, I would have dropped it. Right. I would have been like, Hey, you not comfortable with this. We won't do it. But at this point, the attorney had already drawn up the paperwork and it all, you know, it all happened. And so I was like, Hey, look, this person, we're probably not going to keep them. They're going to be mad. You know, I'm not really worried about them. I'm worried about them taking that list and going to a carrier. I'm going to another agency and saying, here's the list boss, you know? And so, which again, there's a non-piracy, not, you know, we had all that, but it's proving that yeah, and, yeah, it gets hard. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you have concrete evidence, the, like some yeah. people do, people doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm the, uh, not all of us are as lucky as you. I'm the, I'm the friendliest guy in the world to get along with and negotiate with, but I also protect my, I hedge my bets. Right. I don't make any rash decisions. I look at everything for, as an investment. I don't look at, I don't get my heart involved in it. Sure. And so, um, you know, he had a problem with that. We went, you know, initially it was like a certain dollar amount. If in six months, 90% of the business is on the books, we had a problem with the 90%. I was like, well, your retention's at 85. Ours is at 98. I'm splitting right. the difference there basically. Um, no. So then we went down to 85 and then it got to 80 mm -hmm. and then we started negotiating on the dollar amount that was held back. And what we ended up settling on is I was like, Hey, I'll just, I'll send you, right. I'll send you the money. You hold it in escrow. Sure. I won't even keep it. And in four months, if as long as nothing nefarious goes on, right. Then you're good. Cash the check. Um, or, or, you know, deposit the thing the is, even if, and I told Carrie, I had a conversation with Carrie beforehand. Hey, I'm not going to let this deal fall through for this. I'll just give in. Right. You know, so that, that was the only thing that, you know, I think, you know, we were both a little bit frustrated with each other, but since then uh, we're in the thick of it now, you know, Tuesday, the second was our first day in that agency. You know, they just, they operated very manually, uh, very sort of old school to a degree. We're not that way. So where we are now, and I'll, I'll hurry up because we don't have long left on the show. Where we are now is he was operating on insured mine and Excel spreadsheets. So what we did is we got now certs to create us a separate management system right. account that was not tied to our portal account. And we linked their insured mine up with our now certs. Right. So we let all that data sync. Thankfully it synced and the dollar amount adds up to what it should be. And then we have our VAs go. We hired three additional VAs just wow. for this office. Wow. Um, we have our VAs going in and they are cleaning that data up, looking for duplicates, looking for policies that are missing, transferring the documents, transferring all the notes because the notes don't sync and making all of that happen. Uh, we are in the middle. I was over there every day last week, but Friday, uh, I was going to go Friday and I just got held up here. 
making sure they're comfortable, getting them set up with their new workstations, new computers, monitors. A lot of the a lot of the people there were working off of a laptop and a laptop only. Right. And I'm like, hey, if we just add monitors there, they're going to sell more business because they're going to be more productive. Hundred percent. You know, and we got some agents that require their people have four monitors. You so making making small changes. Uh, yeah. So changes. that um, getting office cleaned up, making right. it making it look like a portal Hol office. Homey. Yeah. Yeah. And so making everybody comfortable, answering questions that we need answered, helping them write some business. You know, we've saved some accounts. We had one account the first day I took it over that was like, hey, we heard such and such sold this agency. We're moving our business. Right. It was like a $35,000, $40,000 account. Mm -hmm. We saved that. We were able to convince that person to stay on. So that was like a big win day one. But it's right now, it's just getting our arms wrapped around all the business and all the immediate renewals. And the big kicker is going to be, so basically what now Certs is doing now is we have these two now Certs accounts for these two agencies Right behind the scenes. They are merging those two together. Mm. That's going to be done this Thursday. Right. So once that happens, all the renewals will flow over to our renewal pipelines. Right. And then we can accurately grasp, okay, what's renewing, what right. hasn't renewed, what still has. So it's, it's easier it's to get a, your arms around everything. Here, here's what yeah. I'll say. So it has not been easy. Uh, there's been some, you know, Tuesday was really bad, not in a bad way, but it was just, that was the first, it was just a lot. It was stressful. You know, there was stuff like, you know, there was a PO box I didn't know about. The agency didn't get any mail at the office because the landlord doesn't allow it or something stupid like that. That was um, one of my questions I was going to have. It was an asset purchase, but are you, did he own the building that, no, he okay, rented, so you just took over the rent. I didn't take it over. So you remember, you're not taking anything over when it's an asset purchase, okay. it's a liability. So I had to sign a new lease with the landlord. Okay. I was initially not going to keep the office because of my previous statement. It cost me about 20 grand a year to run the office, keep the office open, give or take, which is super cheap given where it's located. So I can sublet that office for way more than what I'm renting it for. And the landlord's okay with that. So we ended up signing a new lease. Um, but our plan was with the mail, nobody touches the mail here, but me. Right. Sometimes Kenneth will grab some stuff. I'm big on the mail. So our plan was to set up a mail forward from that location. Well, then I found out there's a P.O. box. So there's just a lot of little stuff like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. you know, getting the locks ticky changed. Tack, ticky tacks. Getting the locks changed, finding out where the files are. You know, I think I went to Lowe's that first day like three or four times. But, you know, Tuesday was really bad. Left home Tuesday feeling defeated. Uh, Wednesday was a little better. Thursday was a little better than that. Friday was great. I think Kenneth and Natasha over there today, they said today's going pretty good. So what needs to happen now is that now certs account needs to be merged. We ported the number from Ring Central to Lightspeed. Yeah. So that's that's happening. Once a, that a happens, a million little things. It's a million little things. Matter of fact, I reached out to Adam at Cake, and I was like, "Hey, you guys need to put together not a due diligence list, but a yep. little thing list of hey, right. here's all the stuff you don't think about." So, like for example, it's like a punch list. Him, yeah, all him, the little things that him, need to get done. him transferring the ownership of the Google My Business page to 100%, me, yeah. Facebook page, website. Chris Langill did a great job with the website. We're gonna keep the name. Yeah. Uh, the name is uh, it's a great name for SEO purposes. So right. it's, it's uh Coastal Alabama Insurance, which there's about 15 of those. Powered by Portal. Powered, powered by Portal. And then over time, over time, the plan was over time, the Portal logo would get a little bigger and then eventually phase out Coastal. But I like the name. I think we might keep it. Yeah. Uh, one decision we made, we decided not to keep that locate, keep a code open for that location for each carrier. 
we decided to merge them in one. Mm-hmm. Um, carriers will play sneaky games with contingency if you have multiple codes. Right. So uh, we decided to merge the the two codes into one. Um, I, that also I, saves us some work with like setting up different downloads and stuff. In our system, though, in our management system yeah, yeah, yeah. and agency Zoom, they're set up as two different locations. So before we go, we got to go. We got yeah. we got another podcast we got to do in a few minutes. I'm gonna have to drink some more more liquor. You've got to tell the story, very short story. You're over there. Somebody calls and says, hey, I need a quote on insurance. I got my insurance with yeah. that portal insurance. <laughs> and it just keeps going up. So we had a customer that's a a, a friend's mom. And she calls me every year uh, complaining yep. about her insurance going up. And I we wish al- you'd answer the phone. We call. always, Hello. we always, we always calm her down. We always, we, we get her reshopped if we have to. And uh, so um, with Kenneth and a big thing, one of our big problems that we've had. So we're on Google G suite, Google's mm-hmm. email. Mm-hmm. They're on that. So mm-hmm. we have to merge the two accounts, right? Mm-hmm. So it's probably not as easy as it sounds. No, it's a pain in the butt. Matter of fact, it's still going on right now. And we started it on Friday. So what you have to do is you have to link, you have to create them a new account on your suite and you yeah. have to link that account with their current account, all the data transfers, and then you merge the two. Yeah. In hindsight, I wish we hadn't done it that way, but. How would know, you, how do you think the right way to do it is? Just keep, keep, keep the two separate and just own both of them. Yeah. Um, the reason we couldn't do that is because he owns another company that's not related to insurance. And it's in and under that account. It, well, he has two dom- two emails in that account that are with that other company. Gotcha. But I couldn't take over the whole account. In hindsight, I would have had him do that. Yeah. Him to pull do all the legwork. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or I still do the legwork. It just, because it's only two emails, yeah. and it's a contracting company. There's not that many emails in there. Like, I mean, I'm literally, I'm transferring like 15,000 emails per account. So... Uh, but we're merging those two. And, um, but anyway, Kenneth and I were doing that Friday uh-huh. phone rings. I see us, this lady. And I told Kenneth, I was like, Hey, call Betty Smith. When we get yeah. done here, she's it's her insurance renewal. She renews in January before he could call her. One of the people at my new agency emails me and she's like, Hey, this customer just called here for a quote. And they said they were with Portal and they were mad that the rate went up. You so damn right. Can't get away from me. I don't blame. Um, her. so it's a nice way to so so that's another plus to keeping the name separate is you kind of yeah you kind of hedge your you bets. Know what? I agree. You need to call somewhere else. I'm, let me get uh, if you've heard of Gulf Coast Insurance, call down there. Exactly. I bet you they've got a damn good rate for you. Exactly. exactly. Good people. Exactly. That's so funny. Exactly. So yeah, that was one funny thing that happened. But no, man, I mean, here's what I'll say. Uh, it's been difficult. You asked if I would do another one. Yeah, I'd do another one tomorrow. Mm. Um, by the way, I'm a big believer in perspective. You, It's kind of like when you get a cut on your finger, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden you get a bigger cut on your arm. All of a sudden the cut on the finger doesn't hurt yeah, as bad. Right. So in the process of going through the due diligence of this agency, I had another one on the table that was three times this size. Right. All of a sudden, that made this one seem easy. Yeah. That deal ended up falling. I actually walked away from that one. As soon as I'm out, out of my NDA, cannot wait to tell people about that one because <laughs> it'll be a huge learning experience for everybody involved. So, but it made this one easier spending two weeks trying to do this large one. So, but here's what I'll say is that I have dealt with nothing 
that I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of my like true north of like, hey, we knew all of this was going to happen. We're in this weird phase right now where we are in between their processes and ours. Right. And everybody's just kind of over there is kind of running around yeah. like their hair's on fire, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and trying to figure stuff out and learn it as they go. And, you know, uh, we're trying to be mindful of everybody's feelings and, and I love everybody over there. I think all five of them make great additions to the portal team, love all five of them. And, um, and the idea is the intention with this is, is they are not portal insurance South. They are not coast Alabama insurance. We're portal. We're all portal. Right. We're, you know, we're, we're going to be very intentional with that. And it's not us and them. It's everybody together. So yeah, we're, we're super excited. Uh, it'll be, it'll be great. I think it'll propel us. I'll tell you this. I learned a lot that'll, mm-hmm. that I'll do differently the next time. And our goal is to do another one before June somewhere in the Southeast gotcha. other than Florida. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's basically it, man. Well, let me say this. First of all, I'm very proud of you. What you just talked about for an hour and three minutes and 52 seconds wrapped up into a, uh, one summation is that through grit and determination, you carried that thing to the finish line through a lot of, uh, adversity through a lot of different challenges that you had over that three, four month period. And I I will say I could not have done it without Natasha and Kenneth and the therapeutic support of my wife. (laughs) Uh, But Natasha and Kenneth have been the rock stars. Oh my gosh. Like this, this kind of stuff is Kenneth's jam. Yeah. 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 You know, Natasha is great. You know, Natasha is a social worker by trade. Right. right. She's great at making people feel comfortable Mm. and sort of getting through to them and, you know, understands the vision for the agency and where we're trying to go. So that hats off to those two. I mean, like I said, they're over there now while I'm not there. I'm here, you know, with you. So guys, I'm going to say this. I'm going to end this podcast. There's a lot of great insurance podcasts out there, but if you want to listen to two guys that are down in, in the game every single day that are no different than you are that are doing the damn thing. You might want to listen to the Insurance Guys podcast because we do we do we deal with the exact same stuff that you guys deal with every single day. And I'll be honest with you, Bradley. Whenever I decide to call the ball and get out and not be an agent anymore, agency owner, I will not be doing this podcast anymore. I don't believe as fast as this thing's moving, as fast as insurance is changing, I do not believe that you can be on the sidelines with a headset on, not in it every day and be able to provide the kind of value to people that that you need to be able to provide. I just don't think you can do it. I think it's impossible. You have to be in the game. I think that's one of the differentiating factors with us is is you and I are doing it every day. We're not two people that are talking about doing it. Yeah. You know, when I walk out of these doors right here, I have 15 fires I have to put out as do you. And I've seen you when you take your phone off airplane mode we're recording. It's like, yeah. Guys, we love each and every one of you. As I end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Stop mixing paperwork up on your desk and looking at TPS reports and, you know, all the other stuff that can take away from going out and writing new business, bringing business in the door. Bradley Flowers said it earlier. I wrote this down. I wrote down a lot of what he said today. And he said, uh, where did I write this down at? I know I wrote it down somewhere. He said, when you're buying an agency, here it is. 
when you're buying an agency, what you're really buying are the renewals. I've been saying that for years. The money in the insurance business is not in new business. I know it feels great to run around the office and high five and ring. Some some agencies have this bell that you ring, the the sales bell. The money in the insurance and the insurance agencies is in renewals, and that's what you're buying when you buy an agency. You got to go out and you got to write business, and then you got to keep that business on the books for seven or eight years. Slam the back door. Go make money for your wife, for your husband, for your kids' college fund, for your parents who are struggling out there. Go write, go write good business for them. Go make money for your family. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. I'm proud of you, brother. I love Thanks, you. Thanks, man. Guys, you were listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.